Are you the type of person who is drawn to a bookstore the way a moth is drawn to a flame? If you find that analogy interestingly disturbing, then you'll probably like this episode of Prelude to a Scream by Mark Leslie. Silent screams bounce around my head like an impending storm, brewing into a force that will escape in a wild dance of chaos and be lost forever if I don't stop to write them down. Hi, this is Mark Leslie, and you're listening to Prelude to a Scream, Episode 9. This episode features my short story, Browsers, followed by notes about the writing of the tale. Browsers first appeared in Challenging Destiny number 5, January 1999, and was reprinted in 2004 in my short story collection, One Hand Screaming. Without further ado, here's Browsers. Browsers, by Mark Leslie. The story opens with a quote from the book Earth Abides by George R. Stewart. The stimulation of seeing so many books so suddenly seemed almost more than was good for the frail little boy. Stepping into a used bookshop is sometimes like stepping into another dimension. Where else but a used bookstore can one find such an eclectic selection of minds and experiences stored in dusty tomes, just waiting to be browsed through by anyone who happens along? Occasionally, a used bookshop can be a painful experience, offering up nothing more than the latest trashy paperbacks and adult porn magazines. But sometimes, sometimes a used bookstore can provide, to the avid browser, a somewhat mystical experience. Sometimes, walking through that door, you are overwhelmed with a sense of awe, a sense that something powerful is being housed within the very walls. I discovered such a wondrous shop years ago on the corner of two streets I cannot remember the name of in one of those pseudo-cities on the southwestern edge of the Golden Horseshoe. Standing on the street, the sounds of traffic all around me, I beheld the quaint corner shop with curious eyes. The dark and dusty windows did not allow me a clear view of the interior of the shop, and there was no sign on the exterior to indicate the name of the establishment, other than the word Browsers painted onto the window. Trying to remember if I'd been to that particular shop before I opened the door, the tiny bell overhead tinkled, and I stepped inside. I had to pause as the familiar feeling of awe overtook me. Perhaps you feel it, too, when you walk into a used bookshop. The feeling that all eternity is poised, trapped in the moment, just waiting to spill forth into the future. Literature has always fascinated me. With writing, humankind has developed the ability to transform a person into a state of immortality. And with that, anyone who reads can thus share in that immortal bliss. None of us have ever had the pleasure to have personally met Shakespeare or Dickens, but They are still companions in our day-to-day travels. Though long dead, they are very much with us. That is where the beauty and power lies in literature. Perhaps that is why I had spent the last three decades of my life writing, trying to capture the spirit of myself on paper. 
To that point I had been unsuccessful, and I was forced to live vicariously through the bold efforts of those great masters who had come before me. That is probably why I would take such pleasure in browsing through a used bookshop, and occasionally, when feeling daring, I would fantasize about future generations browsing such a shop and finding one of my works, essentially discovering my spirit and thus keeping me alive. The absence of a book clerk was the first substantial thing I noticed, but that wasn't unusual. He or she could be shelving books or helping another customer. Standing in the tiny entranceway, I glanced at the small podium desk, which I assumed the owner used as a workspace for paperwork and perhaps ringing in sales. My eyes then led forward to the next connected room, which was perhaps 8 by 12 feet. I moved into it. This room, crammed with the usual variety of books, led off directly to another room of a similar size. Trying to get my bearings, I searched through the second room to find two more doorways to a third and fourth room. I took the door on the right and found from that room another three choices. The peculiarity struck me at that point. I paused and breathed in my amazement. What looked like such a tiny corner shop was actually a huge space divided into a multitude of rooms. I saw myself spending a lot of time here. With the discovery that it was a complex, huge shop, I decided to waste no more time and began my browsing. I turned and scanned the books which filled the room I stood in. The shelves reached right up to the nine-foot ceiling of the room and were packed tightly with all sorts of books. Scanning the titles, I noticed that there was no particular order to them. There were an abundance of westerns and the occasional thriller shelved in this room, but apart from that, there was a plethora of every other imaginable type of book, from a selection of children's picture books to a sampling of cheap dime paperbacks. This room had it all. On the far wall was housed a selection of magazines and comic books. Beside that were stacks of yellowed newspapers. What an interesting setup, I muttered, and my voice carried strangely through the book-lined room. My words broke a silence so thick that I might have been standing in an ancient Egyptian tomb rather than a bookshop. I turned as if trying to catch my words and take them back so that I might not wake the sleeping texts. But alas, my words were out and lost from me forever. As I turned, I looked through the entrance to another room I had not seen before, and in it a paperback book spine leapt out at me as if it were somehow highlighted. I stepped forward into that room and plucked the book from the shelf. It was one of my favorites from a long time back. George R. Stewart's Earth Abides. I held it in my hand like a trophy. Then I thumbed it open and sniffed at the wonderfully musty smell that can hardly be described so much as it is loved by bibliophile. I flipped through to the midway part of the book and began reading, but not aloud. I dared not speak anything else aloud for fear of ruining again that special silence. I read a passage which had stuck with me all these years since having read it the first time. The main character, Ish, upon rebuilding a small civilization after the world had been ravaged by plague, takes the boy Joey to one of the libraries left over from before year one. Halfway through this scene, I noticed that certain words from the passage were missing, as if the ink from the page had suddenly dissolved. I flipped through to another passage. Sure enough, the same sort of thing seemed to have happened there as well. I placed the book down and picked up another one. Again, several passages throughout the text were blank. In some places, complete lines were missing. I tried another to find the same results, randomly scattered throughout.
I paused and sniffed the air, as if I would be able to tell if there were some corrosive elements lurking in the room, slowly removing the ink from the pages, but I could detect nothing. Instead, I left the book there and moved on into the next room to my right. I selected another paperback and noticed that none of the words seemed to have been dissolved from it. I replaced it and moved across the room, grabbing at what appeared to be an old, thick sociology textbook. Strangely, whole pages and entire chapters were blank. I had heard stories and read articles stating that the paper itself of some of the older books printed were actually reacting with the air, causing them to disintegrate. I wondered if perhaps a similar thing was happening here, but to the ink rather than the paper. Such a thought sent shivers through my being. The books in these rooms were not ancient by any means, and already the words were dissolving to nothing. A discovery like this might seem happenstance to the average person, or perhaps boring to one whose only source of information comes from news downloads off the Internet. But to a book lover like myself, it was as if God had stepped down from heaven and announced that the world would soon be ending. I spent the next ten minutes or so rushing from room to room, picking up different types of books and thumbing through them, trying to discover some sort of pattern. But the dissolution of the words seemed completely random. It wasn't specific to any one room or any one kind of book. The phenomenon appeared without any detectable pattern. It then came upon me to try to find the book clerk and point my discovery out to him or her. Or perhaps the book clerk would already have known about this strange occurrence and would explain it to me as a result of the nearby industrial smelters filling the local atmosphere with a selective airborne corrosive material. Only by that point I could not quite remember the way which I had come. I began a path from room to room, hoping that I would recognize having been in one of them. But in the same way that I was unable to detect a pattern in the phenomenon of the dissolving words, I was also unable to recognize any of the rooms I'd passed through. I called out once, only to hear my voice echo through the room I was in and bounce out in the many available directions. But, as before when I spoke, I had this strange sensation that my voice would wake the sleeping tomes. Beginning to panic, I ran. From room to room I ran, first taking every exit to my immediate right, and when that didn't help me find the main entranceway, I took every doorway to my left. Finally, after what seemed to be at least ten minutes of running, I collapsed to the floor, out of breath and out of the energy to be panicked any longer. Looks like I might be trapped here for a long time, I told myself. I might as well take my time and map out my movement in the maze of books and rooms. Perhaps that'll help me. I pulled a hardback text from the wall and flipped through it until I found one of the blank pages I had mentioned earlier. Digging into my breast pocket, I plucked out my Mont Blanc pen, the one I always carried with me. Perhaps it was in case I was overcome with that once-in-a-lifetime inspiration that all aspiring writer's dream will come. Perhaps it was a ritual of connecting myself with a writing instrument so that we were mates on the voyage of my life. Whatever it was, I was glad to have made the effort my whole adult life to carry this pen with me. For that day, it just might be the thing that helped me get out of this unusual dilemma. I began to scribble down the shape of the room I was standing in, leaving spaces to the front of myself, to my left, and directly behind me where the other rooms joined it. Then, my sketch of that room complete, I stepped forward to enter the room directly in front of me. A hollow groan boomed through the infinite silence. 
The groans steadily became a wail as I paused in the doorway, dropping both pen and book to clamp my hands to my ears. It echoed through my head despite my efforts to keep it out, and seemed to swirl around the room announcing its misery in no uncertain terms. Then, just as quickly as it had begun, it stopped. I turned on the spot, almost afraid to see what had caused this horrid sound. But there was nothing in the room behind me. Nothing, of course, but the books and the shelves that had always been there. That wasn't enough, I thought. There was no way I was going to go back into that room. Whatever caused that sound might be lurking just around the corner of the doorway. I considered my pen and the book I had dropped just inside the room and decided to abandon my plans of mapping out the place. I then wandered almost casually considering how startled I had been from room to room. Occasionally I would stop to examine a book which caught my eye. I did this according to my wristwatch for about three hours. During this time I discovered a couple more abnormalities. The first notable one was that a good deal of the books I examined were lacking a copyright page. I wasn't sure whether to chalk it up to the same phenomenon which caused the ink to disappear from the certain pages or if it was for some other reason. The second abnormality was the physical layout of the rooms. I had mentioned earlier that the shelves reached right up to the ceiling, but I believe I failed to note the differing height of each room. Each room conformed to a slightly different shape and height, almost like the way each snowflake is not exactly the same as the other, no matter how similar they at first appear to be. It was towards the end of this casual wandering when I was struck with a strange notion. I thought about all the books I'd seen that day which I would love to have purchased. The only problem was that I could not find the cashier. How ironic to have such a wonderful choice of books and to be unable to purchase any. Not only that, but for the most part to discover upon beginning to take the time to read the book that it was not actually complete, that it was missing words, lines, sometimes complete pages. I wondered for a moment if I had died and was somehow in a kind of hell for book browsers. The ones who waltz into a store, browse for hours, even sit and read entire chapters and then leave, never once making a single purchase. I laughed at the irony of such a hell and then decided against it. Having worked at a bookstore for my first four years after graduating from college all those years ago, I knew that if this were such a hell, not only would I not be alone here, but there would barely be room for all of us, no matter how endless these rooms seemed. Still... It was an interesting premise to toss about in my mind while I moved from room to room and tried to find my way out. Several such notions gnawed at me in the hours I wandered before I was finally overcome with fatigue and had to sit. Not long after propping myself up against a bookshelf, I must have fallen asleep. I'm not sure how long after that I awoke, but when I did, it felt like no other waking which I had ever experienced. I could still sense the world around me, but I wasn't quite myself anymore. As best I can describe, I was nothing more than a room stacked with shelf upon shelf of all the books I had read in my life. I was added on to the maze of rooms in this bookshop and must have somehow fused into it while I slept. I can't really say how this happened or who has caused it. At least... Now I understand a little of the weird phenomenon which I had discovered, for it occurs in the books which I house inside of me, inside of the special room which is me. 
I hold inside of me all of the texts which I have read over my life. And within those texts are certain words, passages, and entire pages which I either skipped over or which I accidentally missed while reading them. So it wasn't due to some strange chemical in the air, but rather from a reading habit which can occur in even the most fastidious reader. My consciousness is mostly taken up by the books within my spirit, and being stuck only with them, I am sad that I had not read more while I had had the chance, for I have perused them again countless times. And yes, I am disappointed for having accidentally or intentionally skipped certain parts, for I will never know the words I had missed out on. As time passes, though, and I'm not sure how much really has, I'm slowly learning how to extend my consciousness out into the neighboring rooms and peruse any of the same texts my silent companions have read that I might house, hoping to fill in the gaps of my own books. It takes what seems like an eternity and quite a bit of concentrated effort, but it can be done. After all, it's not like I don't have the time. My only problem is that I fear the time when that too will not be enough. What we need is more. We need more things to read and share with each other. And we wait for that day when one will join us who has read all the same books we have, but who has also read all the words, so we might be enlightened completely. We have nothing but time, so we wait. Oh, but soft. I think I hear the entrance bell tinkling. Could it be? Yes, I think it is. After all this time of browsing through countless bookstores, you have found your rightful resting place. Nice of you to come. Browse to your heart's content. We've been waiting a long time for you to join us. I suppose browsers is a very important story to me because I've spent so much of my life being surrounded by books. When I was a young child, my mother worked at the Minimart and would bring home every Tuesday comic books for me to read. I, I grew up reading Richie Rich comic books and Spider-Man, and I, I still never outgrew my love for Spider-Man and for comic books. And that love of reading comic books turned into a love of books, and that's something that has been with me my whole life. And that's why Browsers is an important story to me because it's my bookstore story. I originally wrote the story after one of my first trips to Hamilton, which is where I now live. My wife, Francine, and I were living in Ottawa, where we met, which is about a six-hour drive from Hamilton, and we were visiting her mother in Hamilton. And Francine and her mother had planned this uh, whole-day shopping event, and I was on my own. So what I decided to do, which is something that I like to do whenever I was in a new city, was yank out the yellow pages and take a look for all the bookstores I could find. New bookstores, used bookstores, it didn't matter. I wanted to check them all out. Got a pad of paper, made my notes, wrote down the addresses, phone numbers, whatever, grabbed a map of Hamilton, and I was off. And I basically spent the whole day exploring bookstores in this new city. And I had a blast. One of the bookstores that I found in mid-afternoon was on, I believe, King Street in downtown Hamilton, although I didn't know King Street at the time the way I know it today. 
and it was basically this corner shop like I described in the story. Uh, I don't actually remember seeing anything on the side of the building, maybe just the word books or something like that on the window. And when I went in, uh, I discovered the shop is very much like the way I described it. Walked in, there was nobody around, there was a big giant room of books. Went into the next room, it was another room of books, then I went down a couple steps and into another room, and then there was another room and another room and another room. And I basically almost got lost in it. And, and like I described in the story, this bookstore had everything. It had porn magazines, it had paperbacks, it had hardcovers, it had classics, it had comic books, it had everything. And I was just overwhelmed by how large the shop was. And uh, that's where the basically the, the idea for the story browsers came from. Now, one of the special audio tidbits that you're going to get in this audio version that isn't in the book is me talking a little bit about book signing I first did when I launched this book in Hamilton. It was in October of 2004, and I was at the Coles and Lime Ridge Mall, and I was having a conversation with a young man who had approached me, and we were talking about science fiction, and we were talking about books, and we were sharing which readers we both loved, and uh, and I started to tell him a little bit about the first story in the book, One Hand Screaming, which was Browser's, the bookstore story, because he was a avid book lover and a bookstore lover, so I thought he would get a kick out of it. So we started chatting about it, and it was funny because he said, yeah, that, that's neat because... I'm very familiar with most bookstores in Hamilton, having uh, lived here a, a long time and having frequented all of them. So he ended up buying the book, and I thought that was great uh, that he actually might even recognize the story. It was about two weeks later I was doing a book signing at the Chapters in Ancaster, which is a town right beside Hamilton. And uh, this gentleman was there, being an avid book browser and book lover. He's often at bookstores, so it was a fun coincidence that he showed up there. And he actually approached me and said, I know exactly the story you were talking about. I remember it exactly. And he basically described the, the cross streets that it was on. And and I said, yeah, that's 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 what I remember. And he um, he then gave me the bad news that this store was actually closed. And it had closed a couple years earlier. So I was uh, overwhelmed that uh, somebody from Hamilton who had read this story uh, actually picked up on the, the shop I was trying to describe and actually remembered it. And he remembered it. And we talked a little bit about how strangely this story was laid out. And, uh, and I thought that was uh, rather a funny thing to happen. But the best thing about this, of course, was that somebody else that I uh, had met had actually seen this store. Therefore, I knew it wasn't just in my freaky imagination. This story, Browsers, first appeared in the magazine Challenging Destiny. It's a Canadian magazine. It appeared in issue number five, which came out in January 1999. Now, one of the things I did with the story is I purposely didn't name the narrator, and I didn't identify if it was a male or female. My intent was just to allow the reader to identify, hopefully, with this book lover. Even though the uh, the book lover, I made them a little bit pretentious, I wanted the reader to identify with them and step directly into their role, whether or not they were male or female. So one of the great things uh, about this is that 
the only indication that I actually had that I was successful was, uh, with this was when I actually saw the illustrations that accompanied the story in the magazine Challenging Destiny. The illustrations were by Janet Chu, and she picked up on this, and she kept up my, my masquerade, and I was delighted. Her, uh, her wonderful illustrations, they not only matched the mood and the sense of mystery I'd been intending, but she didn't reveal whether or not the uh, narrator was a male or a female. Uh, like myself, she left it up to the reader to decide that. And I greatly appreciate that Janet was able to pick up on that. She's a brilliant artist, and I'm delighted that my story was illustrated by her in this wonderful magazine, Challenging Destiny. You've been listening to Prelude to a Scream, podcast fiction by Mark Leslie. This podcast has been released under a Creative Commons 2.0, non-commercial, no derivatives license, which basically means feel free to copy it as many times as you want and give it to as many thousands of people you can. Music has been provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. Thanks for listening. Have a wonderful day.